Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy. It's the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and defining happiness and success. My name's Graham Alcott, I'm your host for the show and on this episode I'm talking to Laura Willis, the founder of Shine Offline. So it's a Friday night, I am sat in the house and uh, packing for my trip to Toronto. Ross goes asleep upstairs. Took a while to go to sleep tonight, I have to say, which is unusual for him. Uh, But yeah, getting ready to uh, do this trip. Uh, A few days in Toronto, doing a bit of work, but it's basically a baseball trip, let's be honest. And then heading to Boston. Really looking forward to catching up with my friend Megan, who's in Boston, and ticking Fenway Park, the Boston Red Sox, off my bucket list. Uh, So going to be a really cool few days there. Uh, Been really... um, Yeah, it's been a big contrast the last couple of weeks to my sabbatical period in that I've just been pretty busy. It's been quite high energy, lots of adrenaline pumping, lots of exciting new things happening. Me doing a couple of things where I was very much kind of on show and in the sort of, uh, you know, um, I was going to say public domain, but that sounds very sort of fancy, wanky, whatever. But more just like where you're on show, when you're where you're sort of uh, being judged, and where the lizard brain kind of takes over, and all that sort of thing. Especially for me, I yeah, I find that stuff really hard. And um, yeah, I, I think everyone assumes that I shouldn't find it hard because I've written a book and I uh, spend a lot of time either running workshops or speaking for a living. But like it just yeah, it still it terrifies it. Like I, I wouldn't say it terrifies me. It terrifies a part of my brain, and I get a lot of anxiety around it. Um, I don't, it doesn't necessarily terrify me when I'm getting up there to speak, but like uh, it basically knocks me out for several days before. Like I got, like it, yeah, it sort of ruins me psychologically uh, quite a lot. Uh, so yeah, it been good to get back in that game. Uh, really good catching up with the team. Some really good meetings and also just some really interesting uh, bits of work and partnership stuff developing, which I'm not going to say too much about right now because it's, uh, it's early days, but a couple of things that could be quite exciting for this podcast. I won't say any more right now. Uh, and uh, what's the other thing about Beyond Busy? Yeah, so I have reached out to... Because when I started Beyond Busy, if you haven't been listening from the very beginning, uh, the intention was to sort of map out and sort of track the progress of me writing a book called Beyond Busy. And the book sort of took a bit of a back burner um, for a, a few reasons, uh, partly because I was sort of going through uh, a relationship breakup uh, a year or so ago and writing a book about getting getting beyond busy, which is basically a book about defining happiness and uh, discovering meaning and whatever. It felt like I was totally in the wrong place at the wrong time to write that book. Uh, I'm getting there now. I'm feeling much more like I'm in the right kind of place to be able to do that again. Um, so I've reached out to my publisher to start some conversations with them about uh, putting a new deadline in that contract. And because uh, they basically just gave me a contract in the end without a date in it, but uh, it needs a date in it. So uh, we're, we're working on that and a few other uh, ideas for different books as well. Because Beyond Busy is not the only book on the horizon. There's, there's two or three other Productivity Ninja related books as well uh, that we are discussing and we're sort of mulling over what orders to do them in and all that sort of thing. So there's plenty going on. It's been it's been a really busy, uh, yeah, busy sort of couple of weeks and looking forward to uh, a change of pace with this trip to Toronto over the next few days. 
Um, and just before we get into the episode with Laura, so the other thing to say is we are now on series three, episode 10. So this is actually going to be the last episode for a few weeks. We're going to take a little break um, after the end of series three, which is this episode. And then we'll be back with more uh, during the autumn. So let's talk about Laura. So Laura is the founder of Shine Offline. Um, as you're going to hear, it's a business that's uh, coming up to two years old. It is a business that is helping people to redefine the relationship with their smartphone, with technology. And it's just getting rave reviews. I have been lucky enough to go through Laura's workshop myself. I have made some changes myself, which you'll hear about during the conversation. And I think it's a really interesting area. I mean, obviously it's interesting for me. It's always interesting talking to other people who basically do the same kind of business as Think Productive does. So as in, you know, B2B, going into companies, doing workshops, that kind of thing. Um, you know, they're obviously at a different stage in terms of the size and everything else and a slightly different subject matter. But I just think there's always so many similarities and uh, things to share and interesting kind of stuff. And, you know, it's one of those topics that on any episode of Beyond Busy, when you talk to anybody, the idea of digital boundaries and, and how people deal with smartphones and how you switched off always comes up. Like, I can't think of a Beyond Busy episode where it hasn't come up. So... Uh, for that reason, it just felt like a very important thing to get Laura on the podcast and just a nice way to round off a series as well. I, can, I think it's good to um, uh, to have this one at a sort of conclusion of a series kind of point that just kind of feels like a nice thing to do uh, just to kind of wrap up a series. So uh, let's get into the conversation. Uh, we are in Battersea Art Centre. I've just uh, hot-footed it in a cab. I was a, a few minutes late as well, which I was mortified about because uh, I was just meeting Cara across town uh, from the Think Productive team. Uh, so we are in Battersea Arts Centre, mainly because then I can get to, to Clapham Junction really easily and get back to Brighton and uh, resume childcare responsibilities. Uh, but here's my conversation with Laura Willis. I'm here at Battersea Arts Centre with Laura Willis. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm reasonably tired, but I'm good. Reasonably <laughs> I'm reasonably tired as well. I was at um, Aston Villa's game in up in Birmingham last night and then ah. been in London this afternoon, well, this morning and early part of the afternoon. Uh, what have you been up to? Where, like, where have you been over the last day um, or so? Well, yesterday I was in Innocent delivering a workshop, which ah, cool. was exciting nice. for me. So we delivered a 60-minute session to about half of their team, mm. so that was super. And on we their, sat on their fake grass in the office? Like yes, that, and yeah. I brought my stilettos and decided not to put them on because it was going to sink into their fake grass. So, <laughs> um, And we ended up laden down with coconut water and smoothies and all sorts when we nice. left. But it went really well. Cool. Um, and then we were being, I was actually being filmed at the time as well, and I was a bit gutted because Innocent wanted me to hold a handheld mic right. and I don't normally yeah. do that and I felt like Barry Manilow but it's fine <laughs> um, the video seemed to go quite well um, and then this morning I um, I took my daughter to primary school so first day of school ever first day of school Marston. ever yeah. yeah so that was exciting were there tears was it alright of joy for me <laughs> no, no. no she was fine she was grand she's a very cool kid um, pretty laid back she's just like her dad yeah. she's nothing like me um, so yeah and that was quite exciting do they do before you do the first day of school do they do like orientation days where you get to go there and like hang out there and yeah you get like yeah. an hour of play and then the teacher comes around to the house for a 20 minute chat with the kids so, oh right okay that's so, cool yeah but the good thing is she knows about five or six people in her class right. so she's not walking into a room of strangers yeah. so 
Oh, so cool. yeah, and so then momentous I, day. Yes, massive day. And now I'm here yeah. with Graham Alcott. It doesn't get better. <laughs> well, good. So, uh, so thanks for being here on Beyond Busy, and we're going to talk a bit about your business, which is Shine Offline. Mm-hmm. And you guys came down and did a workshop for the Think Productive team and when we had a, an away day. Uh, when was that? A couple of months ago. It was, yeah. A couple of months yeah. ago. Um, and yeah, I just think it's really interesting the stuff that you guys are doing and the journey of the business so far. So why don't we start with that? So just uh, give us the I guess the elevator pitch and the, just the general background to Shine Offline as a business, what you guys do. Okay, so um, I'll give you the elevator pitch first and then I'll give you the context of how it came about. So um, at Shine Offline, we are working to empower people to realize that if they're feeling that they're not in control of their smartphones and that they're maybe a bit distracted and disconnected and overwhelmed and they don't seem to have any more space in their days that there is another way to live and that by recognizing your behavior and getting close to that you can start to make some changes and improve the role that the technology is playing in your life so that it does what it's meant to it enhances rather than overwhelms you um and we are working with um, businesses, so we go into predominantly teams that work together and run workshops um, and create a fun and interactive environment to them to, for them to start to question these behaviours and start to try and make some changes. Um, the business we launched, we did our first workshop about sixteen months ago, um, and the idea came to me um, just over two years ago, a bit longer than that. I basically have a very dysfunctional relationship with my smartphone. Right, okay. Um, And have always loved email. I love the inbox. (laughs) I love a refresh. The ching, 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 ching of the emails coming in. That's always been my thing. And whenever I was a PR marketing consultant before I launched Shine Offline, and I worked for myself for years, and I remember... um, even when I, whenever I didn't have a smartphone, just on the laptop, I loved the inbox. Um, and then whenever the smartphone came in, then I could take my email anywhere and it was mm. amazing. And um, looking back now, I had a pretty unhealthy relationship with it for years, but it was whenever my daughter was born, as, as I said, just before she's just started school. So she's just about to turn five. Um, when she was born, I had to go back to work really, really quickly. Um, she was about four months old and it became quite obvious to me very quickly that my work-life balance was off kilter and I essentially had a burnout um, when she was about eight or nine months old and I started to practice mindfulness because I'd used it in the past as a stress management tool and I don't know if you you practice mindfulness at all yeah so what I found was that um, it was kind of There were a few different levels to it. But for me, first of all, creating an environment where there was no smartphone and there was no technology and it was quiet and peaceful and I did have space to pause was one thing. But also sitting changed the relationship that I had with my thoughts and I just became much more aware of myself in a way, which sounds really abstract, but that's kind of what happened. Mm. And then it became really obvious to me that it was the smartphone and the way that I was using it in my life that was causing me all this stress. Prior to that revelation, I had been quite interested in the digital detoxing thing and I'd read a bit about it and I'd watched um, a documentary where a BBC journalist had gone to America and done a camp where he detoxed for two weeks and it was a profound experience for him. But when he came back, he was back into his old habits very quickly. So I was really interested in this as a concept and 
then um, I basically started making some changes to the role that the phone played in my life. Um, I took email off the phone, which was a massive one for me. Um, I took the phone out of the bedroom. Um, I got a work phone and a personal phone so that I could turn them off. Um, I came off Facebook and other social media channels. Um, I did a few other things, really, really difficult to do, but I was determined and I felt much better for it um, and started to share. People basically noticed that I was in a much better place and I wasn't quite mm. stressed out um, yeah. as I'd been and asked me what was going on. So I told them what I'd done. I started to meditate, practice mindfulness, and I was now treating my phone in a different way. And the minute I started talking about this, it would that would be the conversation taken over for the rest of the lunch or the dinner or whatever because everybody wanted to talk about this topic. Yeah, yeah. And that really resonated with me. And then I started to commute for a job. Um, I want a piece of work in King's Cross and I was commuting for about four months. And it struck me that I was the weirdo on the train, not on my phone. Because <laughs> I was the only one who wasn't looking at Facebook. I wasn't um, on my email. Basically, I had got into the habit of not being on it in those moments where I could just sit and pause and be in the moment. Um, and then I had a light bulb one day on a commuter train. Um, I saw a guy watching Sherlock Holmes on his iPad on the, the iPlayer and playing solitaire on his phone at the same time. <laughs> and... <laughs> He was on his way home from work and something that should have been um, relaxing for him to unwind at the end of the day, because he was doing the two things at once, it felt to me that he was overwhelming and overloading himself. And then I just had a bit of a, oh my God, maybe this is a thing and maybe it's not just me and my family and friends. And So you went and gave him a hug, right? I actually, in my head, <laughs> what I did was in my head, I went, switch off, slow down. Yeah. That was the phrase that came into yeah. my mind. Um, and then thanks to you, that wasn't then it didn't become the name of the company yeah, because right, I don't remember okay. when you and I met and we, we spoke we were talking about names were we? we were yeah okay yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. because I know we talked about kind of business models and lots of other things I we spoke about names the name bit. Okay. and I said switch off slow down and you went no 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 <laughs> that that, no really you want boring. people to be inspired and <laughs> yeah. you know so anyway shine offline came about in the what I probably of said was that's a really good uh, tagline or description of what you do mm. but it doesn't feel like a name no is that fair like it kind of mm. does sum up a lot of mm. what you're about and how yeah. you know, and how like how you approach that stuff yeah so when you did that elevator pitch right at the beginning there what you didn't say was this is digital detox and then you just talked about digital detox um, halfway through there but in a kind of you know, this guy went and did a digital detox and then when he came back, he was back on his stuff. So um, talk, talk a bit more about your uh, distinguishing between a digital detox yes. versus changing the relationship day to day with yeah. the phone and the stuff that you use. Yeah, okay. Um, I do find that digital detox is a very um, snappy term and it's being used in the media a lot and people are ref calling me a digital detox expert. And... Okay, detox is about turning it off and turning away from it and getting a break from it. So turn your phone off all weekend and turn it back on on a Monday. I can see that there's a place for that. But for me, I would draw a parallel with food. So if you feel that you need a, um, a detox for your body, you might go away for a juicing weekend in Dorset. Mm. And Sunday night, driving home, feeling really cleansed and clean and light. And then Monday... <laughs> on the way to work get a croissant or cappuccino yeah yeah. because that's what you always do yeah you haven't actually dealt with the issue at heart in the middle of the whole mm. what's going on here so it's about turning towards the technology not turning away from the technology it's about changing our relationship with it it's about removing autopilot 
and becoming conscious and mindful of our behaviour. To me, the digital detox thing is kind of sexy and cool at the moment, but it's not going to last because in order to live a full life these days, arguably, you need to have a relationship with technology. You know, they say two out of three people own a smartphone. I know that the people that I speak to in business business groups, that everyone in the room owns a smartphone and it's getting faster and better and bigger and it's only going to get faster and you know so we've got to manage that and do it now because it's only got to start so there is a place for a detox but that's not the way you change your behavior it's like dieting you know and I funny the other day I was thinking about a parallel as well you know people have different approaches when it comes to how they manage um, their food intake and there are some people who go down the yo-yo dieting route yeah, and yeah. there are other people who go down the um, everything in moderation and there are other people who need to do um, the fasting two days a week everybody has their own sort of way to control it and I suppose I would compare what Shine Offline do to that sort of everything in moderation um, just be conscious of it and respect it, you know. For sure, yeah. Be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of your behaviour. Be aware of what you're eating. Be aware of how you're using your phone. I think, I mean, food is obviously a good analogy there. Yeah. And um, uh, as you were saying food, I was also thinking about alcohol. I'm thinking, I like wine, but I have to be conscious not to drink wine every night. Yeah. that would be a bad thing. And I certainly have to make sure I'm not drinking wine in the middle of the day, right? So there's like, yeah. you have to put some limits around it. And I saw a Simon Sinek thing recently. Have you mm. seen his um, thing about millennials? Yeah, Have you seen amazing. That? People and keep a, forwarding that to Yeah, me. there's a bit in that which talks about um, the dopamine rushes that you mm. get from your phone. Mm. And he basically makes the point that, you know, if you think that the other things that give you dopamine are alcohol, drugs, gambling, whatever, it's like putting your 15-year-old into a casino and saying, good luck, get yeah, on with it, exactly. you know, by giving them a phone. So I think there's definitely that... Um, thing I think that the, we don't necessarily view phones as a destructive no, force in no. that way. And so do you think that's just because they're new or do you think people just are in denial? Or like, why, why do you think people are slow to recognise the negative sides of having smartphones? I think it's really complex and there are, there are loads of reasons. Um, it's addictive and, you know, that's been scientifically proven and it's really seductive and... You know, who doesn't want to have this magic box that contains answers to everything that people who love you communicate with you through? It's an amazing thing. Mm. Why would we want to turn away from it? And flexibility for working, you know, it can give you so much. And I think these days, a lot of people are on a treadmill where life is faster and people are busy and um, not. it's harder maybe these days to stop and pause and think. And it's accepted. Um, I love the analogy. This is my analogy of Mad Men. So mm. if you ever watch Mad Men and the scenes where they're commuting in and out of New York yeah. or they're sitting in their business meetings with clients or they're back at home for dinner with their families and they're all smoking cigarettes constantly. You could take all of those images as stills and replace those cigarettes with smartphones today. Mm. We look back at the 50s and are horrified at how people were behaving and treating their bodies with the cigarettes I believe that this is going to be the same um, but back then it's, it's very similar yeah. um, although you don't the, the difference for me see the parallel with um, all those other things that give us dopamine hits the difference is we actually need this to survive now 
this technology, I think... To survive? That's quite strong, do you think? I think to a point. You need a smartphone to survive. If you want to be successful... To fit in. Well, I would say for work. Yeah, maybe to survive in a corporate I do think in a corporate environment, you need um, to be using it to a point. Now, I, in a way... I don't. I choose not to have email on my phone. Um, I open my laptop when I want to check my inbox and think productive of taught me many things. I now check my email three times a day. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> but for survival, I think there is an element of that because yeah. there's this sort of expectation these days about keeping in touch. And it's not a negative. Um, it's a positive thing. There is fear around it as well because things like, you know, I was laughing with a friend the other day saying, Back when we were kids and our parents went out for dinner and the babysitter came, the babysitter probably didn't even know where our mum and dad were going. Mm, These days, yeah. we go out for dinner and we feel we have... And my husband and I went out for the first time on, on Friday night for five months for dinner. And I said to him, I know this is this is what it is, but can you put your phone on the table? Because... Yeah. That, that's the expectation these days that the babysitter expects that if anything goes wrong with a baby that they can contact you so we have to have the phone out and mm. okay maybe survival is a bit of a strong word but there is a need to be connected to technology and it's not the same as alcohol. you don't need to drink alcohol you don't need to smoke cigarettes you don't need to gamble but I would say to a point you need it more than those three yeah. things yeah um, just coming back a few steps there. So the the burnout period that you suffered. So you mm. went back to work very quickly after having your daughter. Like that point from going back to work to burnout was what four months. Yeah. So that strikes me as like a really short amount of time. Was it? Was the uh, like how quickly did you feel that you were in that burnout place within that four months? Can Can you remember the? Uh, the the sort of process of that from going back probably fairly you know ty- tired if, if parenting of most kids is anything to go by on the you know day day one four months into having a kid you're going to be tired but like presu- presumably you're also kind of hey I'm back at work this is kind of an exciting new mm. stage like how quickly did that degenerate into hang on I think there's something wrong here I think I'm suffering from burnout I would say looking back that I could I have I've suffered from panic attacks on and off for years and I can correlate those panic attacks believe it or not back to email mm. and overwhelm I would get a tunnel vision and a shutting down yeah. in, in my panic attacks and I can correlate that back to information overload and m- not being able to manage everything around me so that had gone on for years anyway and yeah. then whenever Sadie came along um I could slowly feel that happening, but the difference was because she was in the room and the smartphone was there and I could look at my email on my phone while giving her lunch, that overwhelm and panic was happening more regularly and it felt stronger because of this responsibility that I had as a parent now. Yeah. There's a lot of guilt, isn't there, with that sort of thing? You know, I mean, if ever I'm on my phone when I'm with Roscoe, my little boy, you just feel terrible about that, don't you, that you're not giving your kid your full attention every single moment yeah yeah um but the straw that actually broke the camel's back was an actual thing happened um Sadie started having seizures and they say that often it takes a crisis for you to recognize that you need to sort yourself out Mm. and it was that external crisis within our family of her starting to have these fits wow regularly that actually made me break down and gave me 
the ability to actually take a step back and go, right, what the hell is going on here? Why am I overwhelmed? Why am I overloaded? Why am I having panic attacks all the time? Um, so that was sort of what happened. But, I, you know, those panicked feelings were ongoing, yeah. really, daily. And how did you deal with that with your employer? What was the what was Well, the I self-employed. Oh, you self-employed at the yeah, time? Yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah. So it was more about uh, managing clients. Right, okay. Um, and... They would never have known that I was... Yeah, I was going to say, did any know? What was the... No, they would yeah. never have known. They yeah. would never have known because I very could put on a very good face. Yeah. Um, and then probably after a meeting or after a call, feeling panicked back then. And some day, days, sometimes now still, the only way for me to get rid of that panic attack would be to have a good cry and release that, whatever, all those hormones and yeah. things that are going on, yeah. release that. Um but that's not the way to live your life. And that's where the mindfulness and the slowing down and the pausing and the space and the trying to get a balance back when it came to my working life and my home life started to be a more sustainable way for me to live and mm. manage it. Yeah. Um, do you get this? So I have this thing all the time, which is that because my book is called Productivity Ninja, people have this thing of, well, I'm going to meet Graham. He's the productivity ninja. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I can't be late. And yeah, I, I was like that when I met you. <laughs> yeah, and so you must now have the same thing yeah. where people are looking at how you deal with your phone because that's your business and that's what you do. So yeah. tell me about that and, like, does that come within... Do you like the pressure of that or is it is it an awkward thing? How, how do you deal with that? Um, I'm reasonably comfortable because... This is about personal choice. Mm. So it's not a judgment call that everybody needs to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And so if you're not doing that, you're not doing it right. You know, I go into meetings with prospective clients and it can be one of two things. The clients can be talking. The minute we start talking about this, everybody just goes into their personal yeah, experience. Of course, right? Yeah. They don't talk about yeah. the business. They talk about, yeah. what about this, Laura? What do you think I should do about that? And, da, 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 da. and the, the thing is, people generally have their phones with them all the time. Mm. So in the meeting, they'll have their phone with them. And recently, um, the client was going to show me the space that we were going to use for the session a few weeks later. And she lifted her phone and brought her phone with her to the space. She didn't yeah, need to. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a lack of awareness, I think, because people are so on a just it's autopilot the way people are behaving. Um, then the other day I had another meeting um, last week and the girl said to me, I was thinking maybe I should put my phone away before Laura arrives. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's whatever works for you. Yeah. If it works for you to have yeah. it on the table and you're fine with that, then have it on the table. But for me... If it was on the table, I would be distracted. So mm. I have to put it on flight mode and in my handbag. And then you, I will give you 100% of my attention. Um, there is judgment and everybody has an experience. Everybody has a relationship with their phone. And everybody, pretty much everybody that I've met to date, I reckon that we've workshopped with about 2,000 people now. Feedback we get is... 85% of people have an issue some issue with it yeah. it's not all good yeah. it's not all great it's not bringing loads of reward and benefit to their lives it's it, there are elements of it that are destructive and negative and they can't manage so it's complex but I'm by no means the expert and I'm not um, the cured this is an right. all, it's not yeah. I wouldn't say it's an affliction or an addiction but it's a thing for me and I work on it. I work with it every day. Mm. And if I had email back on my phone, I wouldn't be here now. I don't know where <laughs> I would be because, honest to God, the draw towards it for me is really, really strong. And I recognise as well, I was thinking about this on the way down, um, you know, I'm on a few WhatsApp, group, WhatsApp groups and they're more family groups or whatever. And um, 
I do text and use text as a communications tool and stuff. And I do look at my phone. Now, I don't look at it 150 times a day, which is what they say the average is. Mm. But I do look at it. And that's because I want to be loved. I want to be contacted. I want to be part of that group. I want the intimacy of that connection. And that's normal. It is normal. I think the thing that you said to, to... Well, the thing you said during the workshop that really hit me was... You said something around what you noticed with your smartphone and email and the the way you were sort of checking, checking, checking before is that the spaces between things had got smaller. Mm. And that that phrase really sort of resonated with me with me of how do I how do I work to make sure that I have spaces in between things? And yeah. often we fill those spaces in between things, whether it's standing at the checkout in the supermarket yeah. or being on the train or whatever, with looking at our phones. And the other thing that was sort of linked to that that really came out of the workshop for me was the idea of being bored is actually a really good thing. Mm. And we've got to this point where we can't stand the idea of being bored for 20 seconds, you know. know. And since the workshop, that's been the changes that I've put into place is to just feel more comfortable with the idea of being bored and, Mm. and sort of being like idle at certain points or having just deliberately creating mental space. Yeah. Um, which I just, you know, I mean, I'm totally on board with the idea of that as that's what's going to give you better creative ideas. Mm-hmm. That's going to help you with having the right attention for productivity. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, that will make sense. But like actually just doing that at home and just doing that in day to day life as well. And just trying to find those spaces, I think, has just been a huge, huge thing for me in terms of positive change from that. Yeah, massive. And um, funny, there's a new book has been um, released. It's a... Uh... American um, journalist she's got a TED talk now that's out I can't remember her name but it's called, it's something to do with boredom and brilliance and um, she talks about the importance of yeah being bored and how it's smartphone technology that's as you say taking that away and mm. it's just about rest time and about downtime and our brains were not made to be constantly active yeah. we need that space and we need that downtime and like take children for example my daughter hasn't really been exposed to um, any mobile technology yet. You know, she she watches, she loves a Disney movie and a bit of CBBS, and she'll take some photos on our old phone and a bit of video and maybe look at that. But apart from that, we haven't really, because she's not yet five, we haven't really entered the iPad phase and the interaction with the technology phase yet. Right. But I watch her in those moments where she could be bored and that they are her most imaginative moments Mm, you know um, mummy can I watch Hey Dougie no Sadie not now oh no you can watch it later on after after lunch okay and within 10 minutes she will be on the floor and she will have all her little figurines and she will be creating stories and doing and I watch that from afar and I think that's where your imagination's on fire and there is value to viewing, of course, because that can spark stuff in you as well. And there's value to that interactivity that you can have with technology. But just that downtime is so invaluable mm. for, for all ages. And, you know, I know myself that had I been on Facebook and looking at my photos and checking my emails on that commute that day I would never have had that light bulb moment and I know that now um, and I frequently have light bulb moments yeah, and yeah. they only ever happen either on the bike when, I'm, when I don't have a phone near me and my mind wanders 
or actually that's that's probably the main time where I have my big light bulbs or in the middle of the night when I wake up and go oh, no mm. pad um, we need those but it's not just about innovation it's about chill yeah downtime and, and sort of treating your brain as you know almost treating it as a resource as yeah. a, a kind of resource that you need to manage yeah. and a resource that does need some replenishment and nourishment to it rather than just being on the whole time and I'm glad you've said that because that ties in really beautifully with the mindfulness thing because um, the mind- mindfulness meditation which is all about um, focusing your attention on the present moment is the complete opposite of the way that many of us live our lives these days where we're being pulled away of the moment, out of the moment all of the time because our phone's pinging and we're getting notifications or we're remembering we need to check our phone or contact somebody or whatever and the mindfulness, I heard a podcast recently. Um, it was a guy in New York. Um, he's, he's a guy who's a Buddhist, but he's also a techie. And he was talking about how these days it's disrespectful to yourself and the world around you not to train your brain in some way. Because mm. our brains are being trained to be distracted all the time. Yeah. And we have yeah. to look after them in the way that we look after our bodies. And... I definitely think that if you start to practice some mindfulness and do that constant in the moment, focusing on the breath and changing your relationship with your thoughts, there's a healthiness, a mental healthiness that can come out on the back of that. And you will start to really appreciate pause and space. And you'll recognize the importance of not filling every single moment of your day with activity. Mm. If that makes sense. I'm not articulating myself very well, but... So what's ironic here is that there were loads of people listening to this podcast on headphones, on the move somewhere, and it's like, maybe we should say to you right now as you're listening to this, is just like, pause it just for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and have 10 minutes of being present in the moment and not listening to Graham and Laura. Or whenever it's... If you don't want it... That's kind of one of those things that we do to fill fill those gaps, isn't it? Yeah, and and again, this is not about um, not um, energising ourselves and fulfilling ourselves through maximising this technology and the fact that we can listen to podcasts on commutes and we can read books on our phones and we can... That's all brilliant. It's an amazing resource. It's more about being mindful and conscious and not using it just to fill time with pointless activity, Mm. which is just... It's distracting you from... It's filling the void... Louis C.K., oh my God, if you Google, <laughs> if you Google Louis C.K. smartphone, yeah. this hel- have you shown you I this? Have, no, I, I've, I'm a big Louis C.K. fan myself. Oh, I love so, Louis yeah. C.K. He has, he's on the Conan O'Brien show or something and he talks about um, his smartphone and changing his relationship with his smartphone and stopping and why we're all constantly on the reason because if we stop we'll realize that we're all gonna die right (laughs) but i'm not saying it the way he says if you watch it it's about five minutes long and it's absolutely hilarious and he hits the nail right on the head there's a lot of fear and this is why this is very complex we are all as human beings filled with negative emotions there's fear in our lives and there's worry and anger and angst and these days we have something that we can turn to to block that away mm. and it's this distraction of this smartphone and there's science it's dopamine dopamine is it can numb you as well so 
no wonder we're turning to it because who wants to feel stressed and fearful and yeah for sure but again it's connecting with yourself and trying to recognize that yeah i want to use it but i want to use it in a positive way um, I so just want to talk about death for a minute, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think I talk. I think about, I think about death probably more than is healthy, right? Yeah, I do. I think about it a lot. Right. But I think I've been thinking about it a lot during my sabbatical period, mm-hmm. and in terms of its relationship with work-life balance and productivity, because I think a lot of a lot of the okay. So this podcast is called Beyond Busy, mm-hmm. and if I'm going to help people to get beyond busy. Mm-hmm. And to a place where they don't feel that that sense of, of you know, huge information overload and overwhelm mm-hmm. and being in the middle of stuff and not, you know, and not having that sense of clarity and focus. You know, because that's, I think for me, that's what's on the other side of, of busy is peace, clarity, mm-hmm. focus. Mm-hmm. I think death is a huge part of that in the way that it's, so death for most people is this topic that you want to bury your head in the sand about and you don't want to think about it and as a result of that you want to be busy to distract yourself from Mm -hmm. it in a way Mm -hmm. and i i've started to think that actually that's quite a big motivator for a lot of people in terms of productivity and how they define happiness and success because i think you want to collect certain statuses along the way you know like in your early years probably you do that to uh, impress your parents or whatever right and like mm-hmm. make them happy make them proud of you whatever but like as you go through life you hear a lot of people talk about the reason I want to run this business and make it really big is to create a legacy yes and it's about your name living on after you die right? yeah and it just it, I don't know it just feels to me like there's a huge death becomes a huge motivator because the motivation is to avoid it or to get around it or to not think about it or to be away from it and like I mean I'm just wondering if that resonates with you and whether you think there's um there's something of escapism in being addicted to smartphones and it, and just addicted to that lifestyle of busy in a way. Like, is it because it stops you confronting the bigger truths? Oh, totally, totally. It's a, it's distracting. It's like, you know, the the psychologist saying that the reason why the the woman is keeping herself busy is because she knows that if she stops, her mind will she will be allowed to think, and mm, then she doesn't want yeah. to tap into those thoughts. But yeah. on the death thing, you what you what you made me think of there was Adam Alter's written a brilliant book called Irresistible. Okay, you, have Didn't you read, read it? It's the one that got loads of press coverage about six months ago. It's a book basically all about what we do at Shine Offline. Um, he's a professor of marketing in the states in New York, and he's written this book and he's got a TED talk which is very really good. Um, and in it, he's got a slide, which I think we're going to start to include in our um, session. And Adam won't mind because I've been in touch with him. But <laughs> basically, he talks about how um, he's done research over the past, I think it's 10 years, on how we spend our time and how that's mm, changed. Right. So it, there's one in 2007, yeah. before the smartphone was launched, just before it was launched. One in like 2010, and then one he'd done like the week before his TED Talk in 2017. Yeah. And he's got a graph and it's like the first chunk of time is this is when you sleep and it's yeah. like set six, seven to eight hours a day and then the next chunk of time is survival so that's washing, eating all those survival things and then there's another and working I think work was that in there as well and then um, there was a chunk of time that was um, the sweet spot the okay. part where um, you, you you get the stuff that whenever you die 
is the stuff that matters. It's the oh, relationship right, okay. building stuff. Mm. It's the jumping out of airplanes. It's the it's those adventures and those intimacies and yeah. all that beautiful stuff that we need as humans. And in um, and then there's screen time, right? Right. Okay. So yeah. basically, screen time is now using up. In 2017, most of our suite. Oh right. Spot. So in terms of sleep, it's pretty similar. Work. All of those it's, are the same. All the are the same. And then, but the sweet stuff. So that's what's being squeezed. Yeah, wow. it's the sweet stuff. Okay. And he's like, "Yeah, we need this stuff, mm. and we're not getting it." And he talks about, um, it's beautiful at the end of the TED talk. He says, "You know, maybe next time you're driving along the coast, um, and you." you stop the car to take a photo or a video of the ocean mm. maybe next time put the put the phone in the glove compartment get out of the car walk down to the beach take your shoes and socks off and stick your toes in the sand yeah what will you experience and yeah. what will you get on the back of that yeah. rather than just getting it remotely from you know I've started to have a real buzz about not so I've been Instagramming a bit less recently and having a real buzz from t- making mental notes of things that I'm not going to share. Really? <laughs> yeah, because well, it brilliant. just... Do you know what I mean, though? It feels like I'm not looking at this. Yes. I, it's like I'm looking at this because I want to look at it and I'm keeping this memory for me. But you know what? That, and that's this huge. is not to try and impress yeah, somebody exactly. else or to show that I've been there or whatever. And so I've just almost like started having my own Instagram in my head that is not... That seems, I, that I is, sound so like no, schizophrenic. You know, no, but I know but exactly what you mean, you know and, and that's such a pertinent. But point. it's about being present, being in the moment, and, and it's about appreciation. Yeah. So your I, appreciation of a beauty for a lot of people these days, and Sherry Turkle, who I mentioned in the session, has written lots of books about this, and she says these days it's I share, therefore I am. You have yeah, to share to yeah. exist. You know, your perspective on a beautiful thing has changed for a lot of people because these days it's not about wow drink it in it's mm. about get catch it so everyone can see that I've yeah, seen it yeah. you know and that's to- that totally changes everything that's going through in your mind yeah you know it's mad and I've talked again recently about you know I remember when I met my husband um, 17 years ago and we didn't have smartphones and I remember being on the escalator in London and being so in love that we were snogging and stuff in public you know all that <laughs> and um being so caught up in the moment and like in the park and in the moment and together and looking at each other and and these days if you are if your notifications are set to tell you tell you when someone likes your Facebook post or whatever and you've got a phone in your pocket if you're in the middle of snogging your loved one on the escalator maybe not on the escalator in the park your phone can go off at any minute and you mm, know that yeah. so what does that do to the intimacy of that moment yeah, for me sure. that is huge and we have a responsibility I think our generation I'm 41 you're nearly 39 oh yeah, Graham you're a young thing up, yeah. but we remember what it's like not to have that constant yeah. pull away and I think we have responsibility to harness that and one of your um, one of the ninjas when the feedback card he said I want to reclaim the childhood of my 70s for my for my kids and for me. Oh, that's nice. Like really that. nice. Yeah. What was it like to just be there yeah. now? You know, bloody brilliant. Love it. Um, so let's just talk a bit more about 
Shine Offline as a business and your journey with that. So, so you've been going coming up two years as a business. Yeah. And just tell me about you and productivity with that business. What what what, has, what have you found? I know you were self-employed before as well, but like, what have you found has been really helpful for you in terms of really like growing that business and developing it? Like, what what works for you in a productivity sense? Okay, well, definitely my biggest issue with productivity is my email, as I keep going on about. (laughs) Um, And I needed to create some parameters around which I could manage that because with this new business, you know, we've created this out of nothing. This is an idea that came to me on a train that I then went and met a few people like you and other experts, um, a few people in HR, tried to see if it was a good idea and then thought with my business partner, Anna, let's just do this. And we come from the PR marketing background and we've just created it out of dust, Mm -hmm. out of the air. So the fact that people are actually contacting us now and saying, we'd love you to come in and run a session for our business, like big companies is amazing. So for me not to be checking, and I've got, probably 30 people that I'm waiting to hear back from at the moment so the pull to check my inbox is freaking massive so I've now started doing this thing where I'm checking my email three times a day 10 o'clock 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock and I have found that I have got more time in my day bar none it's unbelievable because I'm not refreshing constantly well you have the same time but you have more attention that's that's the difference this is it it just feels totally different I also um I, I have a planner, which I haven't got with me today, but basically in my notebook every week, I write down all the sessions I'm going to run, all the meetings I'm going to do, calls I have to make, emails I have to send, um, an admin, and then other. Yeah. Um, so that means that I can sort of batch work it. So if I'm going to do, say I'm feeling particularly chatty, I'll do all my calls that morning. That's my, how I aspire to... Now, I have a one-year-old who wakes up at five o'clock. I have a five-year-old who's just started school. I've just moved house. Um, It's all been a bit hectic. And I must admit that in the last two months, I've fallen off how well I was managing it. Mm. Um, But I'm aware of that. And I'm now back on to the three times a day with email and stuff. Um, And how do you set up your weeks? Do you do like a weekly planning process, weekly review type process? Yeah, we have a meeting once a week. Um, We're not too bothered about which day of the week it is. And we go through all our sales, our marketing, um, our finance, um, product development. And we have, again, subheadings. And every week we do the same meeting. Yeah. And we used to do a huddle, but we don't do that anymore. Probably because we used to be office-based. Anna and I would work together office-based. And now we both work from home and meet uh, remotely somewhere okay. um, when we need to. So we don't huddle as much, but we're good mates. So we sort of just catch up. Yeah, so it's kind of anyway. easy. Yeah. Um, what, uh, is this the first time you've done a business with somebody else? Yes. Yeah. And what's the difference there between doing that and then just being a freelancer working on your own? Um, we are totally pulling on our strengths I think and I compare us to have you seen the um, Vogue documentary with Anna Winter and her business partner oh I think I have seen that and the lady with the long red hair and uh, well my take I watched it a few years ago my take on it was that the woman behind the scenes basically makes the thing happen and Anna Winter just pulls a face (laughs) so I compare Anna and I to Anna Winter and her sidekick Um, and we've both got curly hair so but um, yeah 
basically I'm sort of the talker and I've always um, been a bit of a communicator so I'm the one going out there and doing the facilitation and a lot of the meetings and stuff as well Um, Anna at the moment is a bit more in the background um, getting our finance up to scratch um, working on the development of the sessions she's doing meetings as well and that sort of stuff but um, we're sort of pulling trying to pull on our strengths um, and it's just great to have somebody else there that you can we work really well together because we generally agree on everything but we often come from different angles Mm, we often end up at the same place but it's just great to have somebody that you really trust that you can throw stuff against and i think the um having complementary skill sets rather than the same skill sets or certainly rather than having the same style is what works so with me and elena at think productive um i'm much more strategic big picture she's much more detail yes like implementation and, yeah, you know, yeah. and like having that sort of interplay between the two yeah. works really well. Like I, f- I feel like, you know, when you find that it's kind of like a magical chemistry mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Like, and I think once you find it, you have to really make sure that you hang on to those people and you, you know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you sort of create those kind of relationships, I think for longer than the life of one business as well. Like you yeah. know, when you find those kind of people, you should try and keep them around you for yeah, longer periods. That's kind of how I think about a lot of that stuff. But yeah. yeah, I remember someone once said to me that you need to surround yourself with people who are better than you. Mm. And Anna is so much better than me on most stuff. Yeah. Um, and as a result, this is working because, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I, this would not be happening if she wasn't doing what she's doing. And you have to hopefully think that she would say the same. <laughs> Well, it, to be fair, yeah. Time. Well, if if I run, got run over by a bus on the way to Clapham Junction Station, we would be slightly screwed because <laughs> I am the only person running the sessions yeah, at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, we're both good at certain things and we're pulling on those strengths. So. And do you worry about what happens if you? So not that you get run over by a bus, but something slightly less extreme than that. What if you just got ill for two yeah, weeks? Yeah, like, I had a very interesting. Like yeah, I had a situation a few weeks ago where I got two two very 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 bad migraines within a week. Um, and this is a very recent thing. It only started happening to me um, since I had kids. And I've only had a handful of them in my life. Um, but when it happens, it happens. It, it takes over and I literally can't function because I can't yeah. see properly. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if this happened en route to a session, I couldn't do the session. Yeah. Um, so two ways to look at that. A, I need to make sure that I'm looking after myself. And a lot of people who work within the wellbeing sector have said to me, the potential for you to burn out is quite high because of what you're doing, there's so much goodness at the heart of it and you're so passionate about it and mm, you could drive yourself yeah. out. So I need to make sure I'm looking after myself and I'm eating regularly and I'm meditating and I'm getting enough sleep when my son doesn't wake up at quarter to five in the morning, et cetera, et cetera, um, so that I don't get the migraines. And I'm. But the other side of it is, you know, how is this business going to develop? Is it going to take the Think Productive model and are we going to train up people to follow the path and deliver what we're doing? Or the other way that it looks like it could go is more strategic where businesses are in meetings where we go in and we talk to them about what we do in our workshops and our sessions businesses are now talking about that sort of um, cultural working change and um, god we need some help to work out how can we help our staff to come up to know what we expect of them when it comes to how they manage their screen time at work and blah 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 so that's starting to become a bit more interesting and it's could more like be consulting yeah. projects rather than yeah. workshops. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah, so we might do a bit of both, yeah. and Anna would maybe be more of the consulting strategic side, and I would be more of the facilitation side. So yeah. we're very organic. And I met um, Graham introduced me to the lovely Carl 
Honoré, Honoré, Honoré yeah. the other week. In praise of slow. Yeah, and he walked me, to, we met at the British Museum for a coffee and he walked me to Good Street Station afterwards and we were talking about uh, business planning and because he's been doing what he does for years and yeah. I'm a child when it comes to it and I said about it being very organic what we do at Shine Offline. You know, we don't forecast and we don't at the moment because we're just making sensible choices and putting ourselves in front of the right people at what we feel is the right time and it's working. And he was. I, th- I think, by the way, just before you tell the rest of this, that story, I think that would be such a good thing for people to hear because I do think people get really wrapped up in yeah. this whole thing of having yeah, yeah, three year plans yeah. and. You know, you have to, from day one, set your financial yeah, yeah. goals for the end of the year one and all that. And if you watch stuff like Dragon's Den, they always tear that stuff apart. And yeah. I was probably two or three years in before we really took that stuff that seriously because I just think you can't. I mean, you could make really elaborate plans, but they'd be totally out of exactly. thin air and nothing and really without any base in And it puts pressure on you. Or evidence or anything yeah. like that. So like, I think I, that's great. To, he totally agreed and he yeah. said, oh my, like... What what's around the corner? Who knows? Mm. Um, and you know, as I said to him, we could get something huge come in that yeah. will generate loads of income for us, or I could get sick. So yeah. you know, yeah. let's just keep going, look after ourselves, be healthy and conscious, and, and just, just make good decisions. And, and stick yeah. with it. What, what my intention from the day I met you for a coffee in Hove, my intention was always. To go out there and let people see that there's another way to live. You don't have to be connected to your phone all the time. And mm. we're doing that. And that yeah. is what we want to do. And we will continue with that goal in mind. And if we make... This was never... And this is... People will go, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was never a money-making exercise for me. This was something that I felt so passionately about because I could see that my own life and the lives of the people around me were being negatively affected by this. And that was a change that was possible. If we make money, well and good. I need to make a living, obviously, but I just want people to see that there's another way. And if we stick with that positive intention and we make sensible choices and we surround ourselves with good people, yeah. how can it feel? And then you will make money as well. That's the thing. It's Yay! Like so, so many of those, <laughs> um, you know, when you hear the sort of stories of successful entrepreneurs, mm. and like, like it, it kind of starts with that sense of, I just did the thing that I needed, I, I saw in the world needed to be fixed, yeah. or I did the thing that I thought really mattered. Yeah. And it just happens that when you do that, the money follows you around. I think yeah, that's yeah. definitely the way to think about it. Whereas I think the ones who start saying, I want to be a millionaire, millionaire. by the yeah, end, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, I think you're coming from the wrong kind of place. Well, do you um, know, I remembered on the other day that when I was at school, um, I think I must have um, struggled with my weight or something. I can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking, I'm I'm going to train to be an aerobics instructor because if that's what I do for my job then I'm going to stay trained mm, right. while I do it right yeah. now I, this was 20 years ago that this thought came to me and it's so funny that I've ended up doing something doing this work I've got to have a healthy handle on my smartphone yeah. and I have to practice mindfulness and look after myself because I'm going out there and talking to people about the conversion and what can happen and I've done that it's not aerobics but it's it's weird yeah. funny that yeah, that was absolutely. always there somewhere in the back of my head um, what's been your what so if, if we sort of lifted under the, the bonnet so to speak in terms of the business over the last that journey over the last couple of years what have been the the bits that have been a bit rattly or the bits that haven't worked so well or what what's been the stuff that's kept you up at night when 3Mobile invited us in to um, speak to their head office, um, in two of their head offices, um, and I was, was I heavily pregnant? And I was heavily pregnant at the time. That was quite nerve-wracking, but the response 
was phenomenal. And on the back of it, we were invited to their retail roadshow which was an event for 500 people who sell mobile phones around the UK. Right, yeah. And I was invited in to um, give them a half-hour keynote. And they'd never had anybody come in from an external company before to talk, and they chose somebody to go in and talk about managing your relationship yeah, with your smartphones. Yeah. And Anna and I, two green-eyed girls, arrived to the Hilton Metropole with two pull-up banners, branded banners. Yeah. And when we, they were all on a break. And when we went to the balcony area where we could view the room, it was, I used to work in conferences and exhibitions. So I know what production potential there is, but it hadn't occurred to me. And it was a full set and stage. And <laughs> we were like, let's not ask them where we can put up our remote matters. <laughs> um, so I was never so nervous, but it went really well. And I what, had, well, so what, was, what were the nerves about with that because, I'm because standing you're obviously doing loads of other talks and workshops around that time well, that, was, it, was no, that not, one of the first that was one of the first right, and okay. I, I think I either was just was I just back from maternity leave I was either heavily pregnant or just back from maternity leave and um, I it was a group of people who sell mobile phones for a living and it was yeah. a huge it was 500 people in a room and you know I'm not a professional speaker I've got no training I've done a bit of amdram and a bit of musical theatre and I can talk I know I can but I've never done anything like that um, I dropped my one of my prompt cards and that was when I went into full stand-up comedian mode because then I had both my hands and <laughs> it was so funny because Anna was in the front row and she kind of went, did a real <gasps> This is the moment because that was when I really sort of started to shine myself. Um, apart from that, oh, it's just, I suppose, you know, initially we were like, you know, we've got an idea and we're doing, we spent six months researching, reading, watching, talking and just picking brains and getting as much information as we could to build this workshop. But we never built a workshop in our lives. And mm. there was a bit of an element of imposter syndrome because, yeah. you know, I've yeah. never done this. We've never done this. People are paying us to do this. And we don't, you know, but now... What was the, what was the thing that broke you through that barrier then? Because there'll be lots of people listening to this who maybe have an idea, but they're in that sort of zone of the imposter syndrome is so strong they're not even doing it. What was the moment where that stopped for you? And like, is there something you could say to people that would... I guess, help them to recognise how to get over that barrier mentally. Does that make sense? Um, I suppose from day one, every single time that I've had the conversation with somebody about it, no negativity's come back. It's always been, do it, do it, do it. This is, mm. um, um, so it's, a, it's something that resonates with people. So that, I think I'm very lucky that I've come across something that um, is a common thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, also, when 3Mobile um, booked us for one thing and then came back two weeks later to book us for another thing, the reassurance that, God, we're doing something really good here was brilliant for my self-esteem. Then um, someone uh, contacted, contacted us from a massive company after a session and asked if they could come and work for us. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that was a massive yeah. thing for me because... Um, we're like a proper thing that people uh, take us seriously. Honestly, yeah, like, I, I so... those moments. Yeah, um, it, but it's been lots of little lots of little good things have happened along the way and there's been the bad things that have happened too, but it's, I suppose, just sticking to that self-belief and trying to be true to yourself and kind to yourself and believe in yourself, you know? Have there been any moments where you've questioned it's the point of, should I just go back to what I was doing before? Never, or never, 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 never. Yeah. No, I'll tell you now that whenever I had the light bulb, I was doing a contract for The Guardian and I've read The Guardian since I was like 18 and I had been in there for a few months and getting on really, really well and 
the day, the week, it wasn't the day, it was maybe a couple of days after I had the idea, the line manager asked me if I would like a full-time role. Mm. And in the meeting, I had to tell him that I come up with this idea and I yeah. told him the idea and he went, do the idea, that's oh, amazing. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I could have taken my dream job um, and I chose not to and I've not had a regret since. Not yeah. a regret, not one. Love it. Um, so, uh, before we finish, I, I, I'd like to talk to you about work-life balance away mm. from smartphones. So, right. are there other things that you feel are important to you as measurements of work-life balance so obviously your relationship with your phone is a measurement of yeah of whether those two things are in harmony um are there other things that you think about in terms of those measurements uh so say for example uh how many times i've been for a run over the last yes. week or month is a yeah. good measurement for me of fitness yeah yeah um for me often i sort of think about work-life balance and relaxation about how much I'm reading and how much time I'm spending sitting down reading books yeah. as opposed to reading with a screen and that kind of thing. Um, but just interested, just the, do you think about things like family time or just are there other things that for you mean that you're investing in you and that you've got the balance right? Or what, or, and, and the opposite question as well. So what, what, what are your other canaries in the coal mine of like, oh, this isn't quite working or balance is skewed here, yeah. working too hard? You're probably asking me the question at the wrong time because I've just gone through a summer of having two kids at home and moving house mm, and the business yeah. really taken off. So yeah. my work-life balance has not been great. Um, I am very... Well, there's con- a lot of life in there with the two... Two kids yeah. being around over the summer and moving yeah. house, that's a lot of life stuff, I guess. Yeah, but I suppose it's trying but to make sure that my... Busy versus non-busy balance, I guess. Yeah, and that when I'm... Because the work thing's in my head all the time, that when I'm with my family, that I'm with my family. Um, for myself, I try and get out on my bike. I only learned to ride a bike about five years ago. Right. So I try to get out on my bike um, at least once a week, but I want that to be more. Um, I don't want to work every day. I don't know who it was I read. It was like you, Graham Alcott. Somebody about the three R's of effective working. Like, there's only a certain amount of... Yeah, proactive attention. I only want to do... I know that um, I only have a certain amount of attention and sessions and meetings are different. But when it comes to actual focus work, Mm. I don't want to be doing more than probably two hours of focus work a day. I want my life. And I'm doing this so that I do have flexibility. And um, I want, when my children are out at school and at the childminder, I want to have an hour to go out on my bike or read my book or I'm not there yet because I'm just coming out of a really really hectic period of life and work but um, I I am aspiring to get there and I suppose where you've got a lot of demand for your work (laughs) that leaves you with a question doesn't it so the question is do you scale up the business so that you have other people going out and helping you with that work so it's not just you delivering it or do you start saying no and deliberately saying this business is only ever going to be a certain size or a certain kind of lifestyle business in a way that supports you in what you want to do? Have you thought about that question? Are you... We have and we, again, it's all quite organic and yeah. we're not at the point now where um, there's too much, you know, we're averaging two to three sessions a week. That I can do that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but you're not far off. I mean, if you got to four or five sessions a week, that's... Yeah, and like, so... we're going to Inverness, we're yeah. going to Norwich, you know, we're travelling around and um, I was saying to my husband yesterday, because I'd done Innocent and it was full on, and I said, I'd love to have a session day and then a rest day. Mm. Um, because it, it does take a lot out of you. Um, it's only an hour, but the prep, preparatory time and then the sort of getting coming back down off at time because it's a very interactive energetic session and stuff oh, no, but I'll tell you a story really quickly so last week I did my first keynote since sabbatical time right, right. 
Um, so how long has that been? So I haven't. So I haven't done that keynote for about a year. Right. And I haven't ever done it with those slides. They were new slides. So that affected it slightly. But the bigger issue for me, I think, was during the sabbatical, I didn't have that many things that were stressing me. And I didn't have that day-to-day addiction to stress that we all have, you know, as part of our work. And I even noticed when I... So when we did the away day, like, a couple, you know, a couple of months ago, I had that one week of being back into work mode. And I really noticed how much adrenaline was yeah. just pumping around my body. And obviously, on a normal week, because it's just normal, you don't think about that. But because it's this one week in and amongst this... You know, I'd been off for six months at that point. Yeah. And, and then I was off for a couple of months after that, that week. And then I did this keynote last week. And the night before I did this keynote, like... I just realized all day, I realized the day before that adrenaline was just pumping around me. And that night I went to bed at 10. I was like, let me get a nice early night, put a podcast on to like help me fall asleep because I was feeling really wired and awake. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm like three podcasts later. Oh, and I'm geez. like, oh my God. And I really just did not sleep at all um, that night. I probably had a couple of hours and then had to do this big keynote the next day and all of the next day and even the day after the keynote I really just felt this kind of adrenaline like spike and then adrenaline dump and yeah. it really it, it almost taught me more that sort of the going but the shock of going back to it is you know they talk about when you um, go abroad to say Africa or India or like to, to develop something they often say that you get culture shock when you get there, but mm. what's worse is the reverse culture shock when, when you, you come, come back. back yeah. And I really felt like for me, it was like going back to work, that reverse culture shock of like, oh, is this what I used to do? Is this, what, is this what life is, is like? This is how oh, I And like, am I going to do two or three keynotes and just get used to that level of adrenaline again? Or is that is that really unhealthy? And it really got me thinking about just, mm. yeah, how we, just how we live in that sort of sense. You know? But so coming back to your thing about um, having a, a sort of keynote day and then a rest day mm. it is really different to sitting in an office you know nine to five and God, yeah. I know it's like it can always sound a little bit woe is me or you know you get paid that much for an hour's work or whatever mm. but I do think an hour's work really is two days or, th- or even three or four you know yeah. in terms of the prep that you do yeah. for that and you know I mean I did probably three or four meetings with this one particular client yes uh, yeah. and tailored a load of stuff specifically for them so you know, if you if you racked up all those hours, it's mm. it's a week's work pretty mm. much, isn't mm. it? And then if you if you think about the sort of recovery time afterwards, but like, yeah, I do think a, you know, one day on, one day off kind of cycle for you in that is is probably wise to avoid that burnout. That you took but not, and, and I don't mean not to do any work on the on no, the rest but you, day, but, you have but to I could do a meeting and I could yeah, yeah, yeah do preparatory or do yeah more admin work or whatever. But yeah. Back to back, like I'm actually going um, up to Norwich um, in a few weeks to. Can I say a company name? Yeah, you can say to um, Naked Wines, <laughs> um, and we're doing. Um, you got the good ones right, Innocent Smoothies, yeah, Naked Wines, Ella's like Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to do back to back sessions for that, they want their whole team to experience it. So yeah. I'm doing two on one day, and then I'm staying overnight in a hotel, and then two the following day. Yeah, I've done exactly that schedule before, and it's um, tough. Oh yeah. God, don't is it? Right, well, I've, I'm committed to it now, so we'll see how we go. But um, yeah, I'll it's, just rest need, after. Yeah, before. you need a good good couple of days of. of uh, real downtime for rest afterwards the thing I found really difficult I did that a few years ago when I was the one delivering the Think Productive workshops I think it was just me I did um, two days back to back at PayPal and it was like a three hour session lunch another three hour session went to the hotel did the same thing on the second day oh, it was the same workshop right? so I did 
yeah, six hours a day for two days. And the, by the second day, the maddening thing is you can't remember whether you've told that joke <laughs> five, five minutes ago or yesterday or yesterday morning. Oh, <laughs> it's no, like you, start, you can't get your head around which audience is which. And it's kind of that kind of sends you a bit mad. Okay, <laughs> I'll prepare myself for that. Lots of meditation in between. Uh, but it was good. Yeah, it was, it, was in, it was in Dublin as well, which is always oh, a nice yeah, place to be. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I think we'll wrap up there. That was uh, really interesting. And I think certainly having done your workshop as well mm. uh, I do think this is something that people need to think about more and the other thing I was going to say at the beginning and I didn't say is that it's amazing to me how often when I'm doing this podcast and I'm talking to people about work-life balance and I'm talking to them about productivity it straight away comes to the issue of phones yeah. and relationship with phones I think yeah. it's just such a yeah I definitely think you're on to something woohoo thanks Graham um, so before we finish uh, tell the listeners where they can find you online and yes. you can maybe even give some tips about when they should put their phone down versus when, oh, well, they, listen, when they can contact I, you I actually Twitter. brought a prop and I forgot to use it but I get it out now go for it <laughs> so you might wonder what that is um, it used to be a bell like a school bell but I felt like a matron so this is a, one of those horns um, and I use this as a prop in the session with lots of other props that don't make a noise so they wouldn't have worked today as well. Um, It's meant to signify notifications. So, because this is one thing that on our feedback, um, we asked people what was the biggest thing you took out of today and yesterday at Innocent, a little plug for Innocent there, um, low, low to people wrote, I'm going to take notifications off my phone. Mm. All your apps are set to default you. So if you're selling your sofa on eBay and throughout the whole day you're at work and you're at lunch and you're meeting your friends or whatever and every time somebody looks at your sofa it goes off that's really distracting so turn it off and then you go into eBay whenever you want to and you look at it for yourself take control back into your own hands so really simple thing to do and the other one we were at Ella's Kitchen a few weeks ago um, in the barn which is a pretty cool space Mm. and they got uh, branded alarm clocks for all their staff because one of our biggest tips is don't use your phone as an alarm clock because no wonder you're, you're checking it within five minutes of waking up. You haven't even taken your toe out of the bed and you're already on BBC News or in your work email. Take out, take it out of the room, remove the temptation, um, recharge it downstairs and you'll get a better night's sleep and you'll be able to get up, have a shower, have your breakfast and then go on rather than setting the frame of your day to possibly be negative because you read something bad on the news or you read an email that puts you in a bad mood or whatever um, do that a bit later let yourself get ready for the day first so that's two wee things so yes um, we are shineoffline.com which whenever we were first launching a friend who's very honest said to me that's a bit of a dichotomy is that the word? <laughs> shineoffline.com um, and I'm Laura at shineoffline.com and Anna is Anna at shineoffline.com and it's all the website's pretty clean and clear um, it's all on there so cool. and are you on Twitter and Facebook? we and are but I don't um, re- I'm not on well shineoffline has Facebook and Twitter pages but I Anna sort of manages them and to be honest we struggled with this when we first launched um, and now we don't really update them unless something massive happens mm. um, because we're not anti-social media but um, it didn't feel on brand for us yeah. to be sending yeah. out tweets every couple of hours so um, there is a bit of stuff up there uh, we have a blog um, which we probably should update a bit more regularly but there's a few there's one up on the moment about tech you can download onto your phone to help you manage your relationship with your phone so that's quite a good one but um, we do have social media channels but we don't probably use them in the, we're more of a 
analogue cool. face-to-face we will, company. We will send people to the website. And you're heading off to go and see our friend Carl Honore. Yes, a, uh, a me and loads of men on a panel, <laughs> which will be interesting, talking about digital detox. And the hilarious yeah. thing is I am the digital detox export, they've written. Export. <laughs> so, uh, A, I'm not really about digital detox, and B... Well, I'm not an expert, but I'm not an expert either. Well, Ben, my husband says I am an expert for Northern Ireland. But um, yeah, that's tonight, the Mental Wealth Festival. So that should be interesting. Cool. Yeah. Well, I will uh, wrap up there and let you get off to Thanks, uh, speak on Brilliant. the panel. But yeah, it's been great hanging out. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. So that's it for my conversation with Laura Willis. And that is the end of series three of Beyond Busy. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's been downloading these, uh, who's been commenting, sending me nice little emails, tweets. I had a couple of emails in the last week or so uh, from very interesting, quite distinguished people wanting to be on this show. So uh, it really feels like the word of Beyond Busy is spreading. And because of that, we will be back with another series. Uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks of break. I haven't exactly worked out when to uh, bring us back for series four, but uh, we will not be on the regular kind of two-week schedule uh, just for the next uh, few weeks. And then we'll be back sometime in the autumn with series four of Beyond Busy. And that series will perhaps feature a little bit more, well, It'll, it'll feature some talk about the book Beyond Busy, so therefore it'll feature more talk about the book than uh, this current series has. Uh, as I just sort of get back into work mode, I've been uh, clearing out the shed down here. It looks it looks beautiful, uh, filled with lots of new IKEA uh, folders, and everything is symmetrical. Uh, there's you know there's a first time for everything. And uh, yeah, looking forward to bringing you another series of this. So just a massive thank you for listening and. Uh, just, you know, it, it kind of feels like sometimes like you do these things as I am right now, kind of just talking into the abyss late on a, on a Friday night. Uh, but then when you get emails back and tweets and stuff, it not only makes it all worthwhile, but it kind of really feels like there's that, that sort of greater sense of connection with the stuff that I'm doing. So, uh, thank you for connecting. Thank you for being part of this. Thank you for listening to it. And I hope it brings you some value and i hope these conversations are interesting and uh give you some perspectives i think the idea with the book beyond busy and just with this whole topic is i i really feel like no one has this stuff uh 100 kind of locked down sorted cracked you know perfect whatever it's a thing that everybody struggles with you know how do we deal with matching our ambitions around productivity with our our needs and wants around work-life balance and how do we uh, do all of that in a way that is healthy and where we don't feel busy and trapped on a hamster wheel. So I just think it's a huge topic and it's, you know, it, it feels more interesting and intriguing to me at the end of three series as it did when I first started. So I'm going to really enjoy the next little period, which is a lot of it's going to be kind of really working out who do I want to get on this next. I've got some really good ideas as well. Uh, but who do I want to get on this podcast next? And if you have ideas as well uh, for who you'd like to be featured on Beyond Busy, then drop me a line. It's at Graham Alcott on Twitter, at Graham Alcott. And if you want to email me, just graham at thinkproductive.co.uk. Uh, just before we finish, so um, as per usual, you can find a whole bunch of show notes and other info at getbeyondbusy.com. Uh, and links to all the previous episodes and all that kind of good stuff. 
and uh, a couple of thank yous. So thank you to the team at Think Productive for helping to spread the word on Beyond Busy. And also thanks to Mark Stebman from Bloomsbury Digital, who's coming down to Brighton in a couple of weeks. And we're going to have a bit of a, a sort of catch up on where the podcast is up to and uh, maybe even sort of make some changes for Series 4. I don't know. We're going to just have a catch up on that and uh, bash through some ideas and have a think and all that kind of thing. So thanks to Mark for... Uh, putting up with occasional, like I, I'm a, I occasionally send him my audio bits really late and he turns it around uh, really brilliantly. So uh, so thanks, Mark, for doing that. And if you have any interest in podcasting and voiceovers and other stuff like that, just check out Bloom, Bloomsbury Digital, the company who I can't pronounce, basically. Uh, so that's it for, for Series 3 of Beyond Busy. Thanks again. I'm saying thank you too much and uh, I'm going to... Uh, sign off and leave it there but I will see you in a few weeks time for another series and until then take care bye for now bye